may have heard that song. We were at our first Bible conference that we'd ever went to at Rescue Baptist Church, and a dear brother named Mike Loveless sang that song. I'd never heard it before, and it's just so precious, and it's still precious today. Thank you, Sister Kathy. It's still, glory be to our God, it's still a wonderful song, isn't it? It just speaks to our hearts, and God's people marvel that he included me in salvation's plan. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 36. Psalm 36. Psalm 36. The name of the message is the Divine Excellence. The Divine Excellence. Psalm 36. Let's read the whole psalm right off the bat here. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatter himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. Words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. He devises mischief upon his bed and setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, thou preservest men and beasts. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. And thou shalt make them drink of rivers of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not, not, not the hand of the wicked remove me. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down, and they shall not be able to rise. We see here in this psalm, first the description of the wicked men, in verses 1 to 4. Then we see in the description of Jehovah's goodness and mercy to his people. And we know that comes to God's people only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is found in verses 5 and to 9. And then we look at the prayer. The prayer of the blood-washed believer, born again saint of God, which we will see in verses 10 to 12. Let's first look at the first four verses with this first point in mind here before us. In Scripture, we have here before us a description of the wicked man. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatter himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. 
He devises mischief. I think cooks up all kinds of things in his mind against people, even against the people of God. He setteth himself up in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. So right here before us, we see man's depravity on full display. Remember what was written of natural man, the state of natural man before the flood. Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And this is still the same today, beloved. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse 5. Let's read that again. And God saw that the, <coughs> that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Note right there. No, and, and this is true for God's people and for, for the unsaved. God knows everything we think and say, whether it be good or bad. He knows everything. No one gets away with nothing. Our thoughts are laid bare before him. Absolutely bare before him. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy men from whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I made them. And then look at verse 8. And this is true of every one of God's blood-bought people. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What a wonderful verse. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We looked at that this morning in Sunday school about the grace of God. And the believer has found grace in the eyes of God. <coughs> so we see from that scripture there that there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. This is the description of natural man. And even in our text here, we have a description of the wicked. The wicked do not fear God. Note in verse 2 of Psalm 36 that they flatter themselves. They flatter themselves. And also take note that the wicked speak in an ungodly manner. We see that in verse 3. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. Oh my. Also take note in verse 4. The wicked devise mischief and set themselves to do and to act wickedly. And at the end of verse 4, the wicked love wickedness. Or they love sin. They love sin. He devises mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. So let's break down these verses and see if this is not true of natural man. The first point is there's no fear of God before his eyes. No fear of God. Now we see that in natural man. We see that in the wicked. The wicked possess no reverential fear of God. I know because I was there. And I'm a sinner but saved by the grace of God right now. But I remember. Do you remember your natural state, you who are a born-again believer? We didn't fear things, did we? 
No. But now the believer in Christ has a reverential fear of God and awe of who he is. It's not a slavish fear. It's a, it's a, a fear of awe and reverence of who our holy God is. Natural man doesn't have that. Doesn't have that. Over in Psalm 119, 161, the scripture declare this of the believer. It declares that our hearts stand in awe of God. It says this, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. We stand in awe of the word of God. We stand in awe, we who believe, in, in who God is. He's a holy and righteous God. We stand in awe. And then we stand in awe, as our dear sisters saying, we stand in awe that he included us in salvation's plan. So there's no fear of God with a wicked man. No dread or terror. But I'll tell you this. When they stand before the holy God, there will be fear. There will be fear. If they stand before him in their own righteousness, they will fear him dreadfully when his wrath is poured out upon them. Note in verse 2, the wicked flatter themselves in their own eyes. They flatter themselves. They have no fear of God, and they have self-flattery, self-promotion. Only think about themselves, and then they flatter themselves in their wickedness. They flatter themselves in who they are. They overestimate themselves. They self, they're self-deceiving. And what will that eventually do? That will lead to their eternal doom. Left in that state. Then note in verse 2, until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The wicked man flatters himself. He says, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. Surely I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as that guy over there, that guy who is in prison. No, not at all. That's what the wicked say. They flatter themselves. But the scripture says, be sure your sin will find you out. It will. It'll find you out. Note in verse 3, the words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And we see the truth of this being brought forth over there in Romans chapter 3. When Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pens these words. Romans chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Their throat is an open sepulcher, and with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the ways of peace they have not known. They have no peace at all. No peace. That's one thing that Vicky and I have talked about before, is how the peace that we have now in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is it so for you who are a blood-bought child of God? Oh, what peace the believer has in Christ. But we had no peace before. And the wicked have no peace. No peace at all. And the way of peace they have not known, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Let's go back to Psalm 36 and note in verse 4. He devises mischief upon his bed. The scriptures declare the wicked in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 16, for they sleep... Not, except they have done mischief. 
and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. Verse 4 continues, He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He is deliberate in his wickedness. He's deliberate in rejecting Christ. He rejects the one who is the only way of salvation, who is the only rest for sinners. And the wicked man is deliberate in choosing instead of the way of, of Christ, chooses the way of the ungodly. And that way leads to destruction. For the Lord knoweth the way of righteousness, but the ungodly, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Verse 4 closes with, He abhorreth not evil. On the contrary, those who leave the path of righteousness walk in the ways of darkness, and they will rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked. Now, I know this to be true, and I know you who are born again, blood, but saying to God, know this to be true, because that was our natural state, wasn't it? That's where God found me. Is it so with you? So this before us is a very clear picture of the natural state of man. Never forget, beloved of God, beloved of God, never forget where the Lord saved you, where you were when the Lord saved you. Never forget the pit that the Lord took you out of. Never, ever, ever forget that. Because it's all by the mercy and grace of God. Because we were just like everyone else before the Lord saved us. And even now, after we're saved, we're but saved sinners, aren't we? We still struggle with sin. Constantly. Constantly. Now take note here of the beautiful transition that the psalmist brings forth here before us. From the corruption of man to have us contemplate the mercy and faithfulness of our great God. Usually in Scripture, you always see the bad news and then the good news. Well, look at this. Look at the transition here before us. And what a contrast we see here. The contrast here before us is not between the wicked and the righteous, but between the wicked and Jehovah. So there we had set before us the state of natural man. And now we have set before us a wonderful description of the Lord, the wonderful description of Jehovah, our God. We see in verse 5 that his faithfulness is spoken of. We see his mercy spoken of. We see a description of his righteousness in verse 6 and his judgments in verse 6. And we see how he also preserves both man and beast and how he is precious to the believer and how his loving kindness is brought forth in verse 7 and also his trustworthiness. And in verse 8, we see his ability to satisfy and please the souls of his people. And in verse 9, we see that he is the life and the light of his people. And we who are his blood-bought people, we who are born again, we know this to be true. And we know this is true only in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's read verses 5 to 9. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountain. Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of man put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. 
For with thee is the fountain of life. It's nowhere else. It's nowhere else. In thy light shall we see light. (coughs) So note the psalmist begins with Jehovah's mercy. He begins with Jehovah's mercy and his faithfulness to his people. And remember, we were in the same state of wickedness as those spoken of. Before the Lord saved us, before we were born again, we were in the same state as of the wicked in verses 1 to 4. And we are receivers of the grace of God, receivers of the mercy of God in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Hebrew word here for mercy is defined as goodness, kindness, faithfulness. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Goodness, kindness, faithfulness. And all this God has shown to His people in and through Christ. And Psalm 59 so beautifully brings that out. Turn, if you would, over to Psalm 59. Brings this forth as the psalmist pens these words. And I ask, is this not the cry of your heart before God? Look at Psalm 59, verses 16 and 17, in light of the mercy of God. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Look at this in 59, 16, and 17. But I will sing of thy power. And God's people, we sing of the power of God. Yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing. For God is my defense and the God of my mercy. Oh, what mercy God has had in his people in and through Christ. And then over in Ephesians chapter 2, we read this in Sunday school and I'll read it again. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And remember Paul's writing to believers in Christ. And he's writing of their state before their salvation. And you, and you hath he quickened, you're born again who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now a dead man can't do anything, can they? They lack ability to do anything. That was our natural state. Where in times past he walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You couldn't tell one of God's elect before he was saved from the wicked. Not at all. But God, who is rich in what? Mercy. Oh, the mercy of God in Christ. God is absolutely rich in mercy, beloved. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. How long has he loved us? From eternity. From eternity. In Christ. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, we're born again. With Christ, by grace, ye are saved. Not by any works you've done, but only by grace. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So the mercy that's spoken of back here in in Psalm 36, verse 5, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Oh, Jehovah's mercy to his people is plenteous, isn't it? It's, it's, it's superabounding, this mercy and this grace. It's, it's everlasting, to everlasting upon them that fear him. 
And as the heavens surround and encompass the earth, so Jehovah's mercy and loving kindness surrounds his people. Think of that. Think of that, you who are the blood-bought people of God. His mercy encompasses you, surrounds you, protects you. His loving kindness. Next, the psalmist brings forth in this psalm the faithfulness of God. Look at Psalm 36, verse 5. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. Jehovah's faithfulness is his immutable faithfulness as he fulfills every promise he has ever made to his people. And we know that all the promises of God are what? Yea and amen in Christ, don't we? Oh, he's faithful, beloved. His faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. Turn, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 8. And let's read what Solomon, he's addressing the nation of Israel and marvel at how these words speak of God's faithfulness to us in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 56 and 57. Oh, God is so faithful to his people through Christ. Look at verse 56 and 57. Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people. Who's our rest? Who's our rest, beloved? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's given rest unto his people, Israel, according to all that he promised. In Christ. And again, all the promises of God in Christ are yea and amen. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise. Not one. He's not failed once. Which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. The Lord our God be with us. As he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us. Wonderful. There hath not failed one word of all his good promises. Promise. Not one. Our God is faithful. Ever faithful. Hath not God given rest to his people? Do we not have a rest in Christ? Yes. He's our Sabbath, isn't he? He's our rest. And has not God fulfilled all that he has promised to us in and through Christ? All that we need. And all that was promised to the believer, the believer has in Christ. And look at verse 57 there in 1 Kings 8, 57. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us. Now others may leave us. Others may forsake us. But God will never leave us nor forsake us. Ever. Ever. Never. And he's faithful. Fear not then you who are the born again blood child of God. God's faithfulness is higher than all your needs. Higher than all your needs. Sometimes our needs or a trial seems like a mountain, doesn't it? Sometimes things come in our lives and they seem like a mountain. We think, how, how am I ever going to, how am I, how am I going to do this? God's faithfulness to you, beloved, is higher than all your needs. Let's look at verse 6. In Psalm 36, thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep, O Lord. Thou preservest man and beast. Jehovah's righteousness is compared with the mountains which have been produced by the almighty power of God. 
They are a natural, think of this, the mountains in this world are a natural emblem of God's majesty and power. <laughs> they, they proclaim the power of God right there before us. These great lakes that are so close to us, beloved. Huge bodies of water. They proclaim the power and majesty of our great God. Jehovah's righteousness is here spoken of is the righteousness of God by which he justifies sinners, which may be said to be as mountains of God. It is spoken of in this way because of the dignity of his person. The fact that it is God who has wrought out our righteousness. And the believer has a clear manifestation of the righteousness of God in the gospel. It is visible to the believer. Because of the majesty of it. The immovableness of it. And the duration of it. Think of this and how the believer is clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. God's righteousness is like ancient mountains, beloved. In the everlasting hills, it's immovable. And what mercy the believer has obtained in Christ. Note also in our text, thy judgments are great deep. It says, thy righteousness is like great mountains, thy judgments are great deep. God's holy law, whether in blessing, that which is right, or in condemning that which is wrong, are great, great deep. His providential dealings with man are past finding out. Past finding out. Shall not the judge of the earth do right. He does whatever he pleases. Whatever he pleases. The oceans are a great deep. They're unfathomable. And so are his judgments. So are his judgments. And also note, he preserveth man and beast. He preserveth man and beast. Every single human in every single beast is in the hands of the Lord. And our days are numbered. Our days are numbered. And He knows the numbers of our days. We have no idea. But our days are in His hands and it is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. Now the thoughts of these wonderful subjects make the psalmist birth forth in rapture. How excellent or how precious, how valuable is thy loving kindness. Look at verse 7. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Have you ever contemplated the loving kindness of God towards you, the mercy that God has given you. Sometimes we take things for granted, don't we? God's still merciful to us, isn't he? Still merciful to us. Oh, the loving kindness of God. 
The Hebrew word here translated loving kindness is the same as what's used in verse 10, which is translated mercy in verse 5. How precious, how excellent is the loving kindness of our great God. Because its value surpasses all earthly wealth and riches. To know that the loving kindness of God is set upon me as a believer is worth more than any wealth, anything in this world. Is it so for you? Oh, to have the privilege to gather together as the saints of God when so many others have no care for the gospel, no care for the things of God, and yet God brings us together to hear the gospel of God's grace. What a privilege. What an honor. My. It's all according to God's loving kindness towards us. Verse 7 concludes, Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Here before us is brought forth the only refuge for sinners. Jehovah's loving kindness and mercy. And who are they manifested in? The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Who came here to this, to this world. Who came here to this world to save his people from their sins. To save those who were wicked. Like the first four verses. That's why he came. I thank, thank God that he came and saved me. Oh, he came to this world to save his people from their sins, to save us from the wrath of God. And how we deserve that wrath, don't we? Wouldn't take us long to start counting things to figure out why, why, we, don't, why we deserve that. But God has had mercy on us in Christ. Mercy on us in Christ. And refuge is only found in Christ. He's the only refuge for sinners. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Psalm 91, verse 4. He is a shield to his people. You know what he shields us from? The wrath and judgment of God. Oh my, there is therefore now what? No condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Why? <clears throat> because the Lord paid it all in our place. For with thee is the fountain of life, and thy light shall we see light. Look at verses 8 and 9. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink with the river of thy pleasures. For with thee, and that's God, is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. (coughs) Take note, beloved of God, of the riches and greatness of these promises here before us. Observe how sure and certain they are. You know, they're all found. All founded in Jehovah the Father. All founded in the Son. And all found in the Holy Ghost. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. The fatness or fullness which the occupants of this house are abundantly satisfied with is Christ. Because it speaks of God's people. He's our bread of life. 
He's the believer's honey. He's the milk for our growth. Turn, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at the instruction that Peter brings forth here. And again, this is written to believers. This is written to believers. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, evil intent in your heart, whether it be towards one another or towards the unsaved. This is instruction from the Word of God. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, evil speaking of one another, and all guile and hypocrisies, that's being fake, and envies, being jealous, and all evil speakings, Speaking evil of one another. Look at this. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So if you've tasted that the Lord is gracious, desire the word of God. Desire Christ. Put aside malice. Put aside guile. Put aside hypocrisies. Put aside envies. Put aside evil speakings. How do we do that? By looking to Christ. By not looking at one another, but looking to Christ. You look at me, you're going to find fault. I look at you, I'm going to find fault, right? We will, because we're sinners, aren't we? But love covers a multitude of sin, doesn't it, beloved? Multitude of sin. Oh my. And if you tasted that the Lord is gracious, it's wonderful. Desire the sincere milk of the word. Desire the things of Christ. And Christ is our Passover lamb, isn't he? We're saved by the shedding of his precious blood for the remission of all our sins. Our Lord said this, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for, the, for many for the remission of sins. So, so over back in our psalm, they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. That's Christ. The fatness of the house is Christ and Christ alone. He's the only one who we can be satisfied in. The believer in Christ is only satisfied with Christ. This is why we desire to only hear the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why we desire to hear Christ and Him, him crucified proclaimed. Because He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. Look at our text back in Psalm 36, it continues. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. God the Father is the river of life, full, plenteous, unceasing. Psalm 46, 4 says, There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God the Son is this river of life, as he is the fountain of living waters to his people. Song of Solomon says this of him, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters and streams from Lebanon. The Holy Spirit is also this river of life. Because scripture says in Isaiah 44, verses 3 and 4, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. And oh, how, how we were dry ground, beloved. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thy offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the watercourses. 
So the river of God's pleasures is the pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. It is a river of Jehovah's pleasure, of his everlasting love and his sovereign grace. And it comes to us, beloved, all in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9. For with thee is the fountain of life, in thy light shall we see light. Oh, there's only life from Jehovah. From Jehovah springs the fountain of living waters. And this is to be true both of natural life and of spiritual life. Scripture declares this, For the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. And who is the Son? Well, the Son is the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate in the flesh, and life only comes from him. Eternal life. So God is the author of Life natural and life spiritually. Christ is the divine light. Look, it says, in thy light shall we see light. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is the divine light that this is speaking of. We who have been born again by the Holy Spirit of God, we see he who is the light. And what happens when we see Christ? We behold our own wickedness, don't we? We see his holiness and we see our wickedness. And we marvel that his grace and his love has been set upon us. We behold our wickedness that was set forth before us in verses 1 to 4. And then we see the goodness of God and the mercy of God which comes to us through Christ Jesus our Lord. And the believer delights, don't they? They delight in the goodness of Jehovah. Scripture declares this, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, it's he who has commanded the light to shine out of darkness. And what darkness we were in. Verses 1 to 4 brought that out real clear, didn't it? Now let's consider the last three verses as the prayer of the blood-washed, born-again believer. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not thy foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. There are the workers of iniquity fall, and they are cast down and shall not be able to rise. Note what's brought forth here before us in verse 10. We see the blood-washed saint of God praying for God's continuing loving kindness and righteousness to the saints. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Well, Christ is Jehovah's loving kindness, isn't he? He's the one that we are showing mercy in and through. And those who know him, we know that he alone is our righteousness. He alone is our righteousness. It is he who has made us upright in heart or justified us before God. <coughs> We're sinners still, but yet the believer is justified before God. Isn't that amazing? 
That's absolutely amazing. It's all by the work of Christ. And note the saying of God's people for the prayers of God. Or note the prayers of God's people for, for everlasting protection. From what? From pride and from the wicked. Let not the foot of pride come against me. And let not the hand of the wicked remove me. What did John the Baptist say? He must increase. And I must decrease. The eye of faith has one object. One object. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. One object. One one person we look to. And look at verse 12. They are the workers of iniquity fall and they are cast down and shall not be able to rise. The one we look to is already victorious over the wicked. He's the victorious one. He's not waiting to rule. He's not waiting to reign. He rules and reigns right now. And he is victorious right now. He's a victorious king. He's victorious over all his foes. All his foes. God's people rejoice in that, don't we? We rejoice. Glory to our great God. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for your goodness and mercy and grace. We pray that you would be glorified and magnified in our thoughts this week. Oh Lord, be with us as we go through this week. May we remember the things that we've seen here today. May we remember the glorious things that are spoken of thee through the scriptures. Oh, how great you are. How broad is thy loving kindness towards thy people. And may we marvel in the fact that we are clothed in thy righteousness. Lord, we thank thee. We praise your name for heaven mercy upon us. We come before thy throne, and oh, Lord, you are a king upon the throne who rules and reigns in majesty. And we bow before thee, acknowledging that thou art the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Glory to your name, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a quick note.